Uh, so I just wanted to, um, we're just intersecting because it is Father's Day and, uh, and I touched on that a little bit uh, last week in, in the series uh, that we're doing. Um, but uh, on this idea of identity and destiny and, uh, and where do we discover our identity, where do we discover our destiny. Uh, and obviously on Father's Day we do celebrate uh, the, the gift of fathers in our lives uh, and fathers play a significant role, or they're designed to play a significant role in the lives of every child. Whether they're present or whether they're absent, fathers make a difference. So if fathers in their presence, they make a difference, good or bad, but fathers even in their absence make, uh, make a difference in a child's life. God designed us to be raised by a mother and a father, and that's his good plan. That's why, that's kind of how he created it to be. Um, both mothers and fathers have a unique role in shaping the, the life of a child, in shaping the life of a person, reflecting also who God is to us. But in the broken world that we live in, we recognize that God's plan is not always what comes about. Unfortunately, God's plan doesn't always come about in that way. Many children grow up in, uh, in fatherless homes without that positive influence of a father, uh, whether that's through, through death, through the loss of a father, through divorce and separation. It could be through neglect uh, uh, within that household structure or just absence. The father's just not around, choosing to not be present in a child's life. Some children grow up in the presence of a father who doesn't represent Father God very well. Children might grow up in an, a, in an abusive or harsh or critical environment, and even though that father might be present in the child's life, they're absent emotionally or spiritually, or the presence that they bring is actually a, a damaging and traumatic presence. The significant and formative presence of a father or the absence of a father fails to actually build in all the things that a child needs in order to grow up into a healthy adult. There is this kind of short period of time where children are, are being formed. Uh, they're learning things for the first time. Things are being written uh, on their minds, but also written on their hearts about who they are and, uh, and what the purpose of their life is for. Many children grow up in a household where their father doesn't know the Lord. And so then as well, he can't lead them into the things of God. He can't be declaring the, the identity and destiny of the Father, of Father God, over their child. Can't be speaking those things and drawing those things out. Cannot lead their child, obviously, into a loving relationship with Father God because they don't know the Father themselves. There have been many studies done that look at the impact of fatherlessness on society. Uh, all of the negative impacts, especially for young men, Oftentimes, it's, it's where you get kind of gang culture rises up. It's young men looking for that sense of belonging, looking for that sense of identity, looking for that sense of meaning and purpose, and they find it uh, in, in other men, but it's often in kind of toxic and unhealthy environments. I do remember I've spent a bit of time um, just working with people, even in my local city of Quinana, and uh, I remember talking to a lady who was uh, quite involved uh, in uh, the bikey kind of culture. Um, we had, up until more recently, one of the clubhouses was kind of just around the corner from our house, so it's just quite rife. Uh, I've spent time ministering to, to ex-bikies and, uh, and loving on these guys, but uh, I remember saying to this woman one time, I was like, every time I see one of these guys go past on their loud motorcycles, uh, I just think, it's just like, a, it's like a, a little kid without a dad. And she said to me, she said, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. And she said, I said that to, to a man one day and he didn't respond very well uh, to her. But, uh, but it is like when you think about it, you've got these men who are, who are playing dress-ups and riding around on their bikes together. It's like that's what my kids do uh, in, a, in, a, in a much more innocent childlike way. But that is the reality. And I, I, do, I, I do hope that that the wrong person doesn't listen to this YouTube video and, uh, and come and hunt me down. That's all right. <laughs> we love you. We bless you. Um, but, but there is this reality. It has this kind of impact on society. Like it's the absence of a father or the, or the negative presence of a, of a, of a poor father is, is actually has this radical societal impact. It's, it's, a, big, it's a big deal. When men grow up with absent or unhealthy fathers, they also... That they, 
I guess they learn how to be a father from the way that they were father. They, they, they know that they model that. And we know from all the Elijah House, the inner healing kind of training that we've done that uh, it's, if there's judgments and expectations and lies that a child believes it, it naturally flows into their adulthood. And that uh, negative father investment in that child then becomes a generational negative investment into that next generation and we see these generational patterns and I mean there are generational kind of spiritual realities but there's also just the learned behavior of one generation to the next and it just produces more and more fatherlessness it's a multi-generational impact I think in in some of these environments, and and I mean, you get people who grew up in in good kind of healthy families, but but maybe dad just doesn't call out the identity of of the child, you know, doesn't speak those words of life, doesn't encourage and and support them and, and I guess, declare over them who they are. Some people grow up never having their identity called out. They don't really know who they are. They spend their life searching for identity, searching for meaning and purpose in pursuits in people or in possessions, longing for, who, who am I? Well, maybe this, this next thing that I achieve, that will tell me who I am and tell the world who I am. Maybe this next uh, kind of financial um, thing that I, that I get to will, will determine, and that's, that's who I am or, or, or how I relate to other people or who I have in my life. And it's this longing for identity. Some people never have their destiny spoken, or they have a, a limited destiny spoken over them. Maybe they've had words like, you'll never amount to anything. Or you'll always just be dot, dot, dot. They spend their life wandering aimlessly and purposelessly. That's actually a word, purposelessly. Everyone say purposelessly. Yeah. Yeah. You've all just received the gift of tongues. There you go. But it's a reality. I've, I've journeyed with so many people that, it wasn't even just that, well, I don't know who I am. It's like I was told who I was and it wasn't very good. And we have to do this unraveling. And obviously in, in the reality of, of the culture, the society that we live in where there is brokenness, there is separation, there is death, there is divorce, there is these things that children grow up in, in households and maybe it was in single parent households. More often than not, statistically, it's, it's, a, it's the mother raising the child, and it's not that mothers didn't do or don't do the best that they absolutely can do. We have plenty of single mothers, and they are amazing, okay? And we celebrate you for, for all that you're doing. Amen. You can cheer that. But we, we can't dismiss the reality that that absence of a father will have an impact on a child, Okay? You know what the blessing is of being in a Christian community is there is a whole lot of men who get to be fathers to children who aren't their own, who get to speak life over children, who, who get to call out the destiny and the identity of children. We do it all the time. It's just can, You can just pray over someone, you know, obviously ask permission and, and all that sort of thing, but, but we, we get to do that as a community. We get to actually raise a generation, even where there might be lack and things missing, we get to carry some of those things. Amen. So we need fathers. We need fathers in families, but we also need fathers in communities. We need fathers in society that can help to speak out those things in every place. The reality is if you're a man and you work in a workplace with other men or even other women, the chances are there's people in, in your workplace, in your neighborhood that didn't grow up with healthy families and healthy fathers in their lives. And guess what? God has positioned you that you can be a voice of life, that you can call out identity and destiny over those people. You might say, well, I'm not, uh, you might not even have children of your own. You can still be a father. See, being a father isn't about necessarily that, that kind of paternal lineage in the natural. That is a reality. And we celebrate and rejoice in the in the natural fathers that we have, but God also calls us to be spiritual parents. So it's, and again, that's not that I take somehow take ownership or responsibility of a person and start telling them what to do. No, it's I position myself with a heart that looks upon a person and sees all of the good things that God has placed in them and sees all of the good things that God wants to lead them into. 
And I think, again, sometimes in the church, we've had this, we've looked at people and we've seen all of the negative things. We've got to tell people, we've got to keep them humble, we've got to keep, you know, keep them accountable, which means point out all of their sin. The reality is every time that you sin, the chances are you're having an identity crisis. Because if you're, if you're born again, if you're a new creation, if you are righteous and holy before the Lord and you're walking in darkness and you're walking in sin as a Christian, it means you're walking in your old identity. So we need people that can come and, and call us to accountability, which means to account for our ability of what God has put in us. But we need people around that can be speaking that out. So whatever age you are, no matter whether you have children in the natural or not, even if you do, you can have a massive family, you still have a role to be a spiritual parent. And you know, everything that I'm saying about men, it, it applies to women, but it's Father's Day, and we don't often do Father's Day like sermon messages, themed messages, but here we are, okay? Bless you, You're, you've come on an amazing morning. Amen. The gift of a good father cannot be underestimated. And the fact is that some of us, inevitably, we all grow up in a family with a present father, absent father, amazing father, not so amazing father. We're all going to have things that we need to learn and grow through as people. So men and women, as we grow up in these environments, there's going to be things that, that we receive wrongly, that we interpret wrongly, that, that maybe our father didn't even know that we needed and so we're going to naturally do that process. But for some of us, there's been a generational cycle. And as you look back over the generations, so maybe as you look at your grandfather and your great-grandfather, you see these patterns that are flowing through. What we don't want to do is to say, well, that's just kind of what my father was like, so that's therefore what I'm going to be like. We might need to break some generational cycles and say, I'm actually not going to walk in that pattern anymore. I'm going to take all of the blessings that came from my father, and I'm going to allow those things to flow through. But anything that was lacking or anything that was present that wasn't from the Lord, I'm actually going to put a stop to that in my life. And that might mean going through a process of healing. It might be going through a process of repentance and forgiveness and dealing with judgments and all of those sorts of things. But that's why we encourage you to do that. That's why we encourage you to do that hard journey, to get all of those sift, things sifted and the, the trauma healed and those things let out because we don't want to see those patterns carry on. Some of us need also to be healthy fathers to, to the men around us, to teach them how to be good fathers. I think some of us, we actually need to, we might need to humble ourselves and go to others and say, I actually don't know how to be a father in this area. If you weren't raised in a Christian home, you might not know what it's like to be a, a, a Christian father so you've got to learn it somewhere and the chances are there's a Christian older male who raised children who can be that influence in your life but we've got to seek it out and again I'm not talking about being a perfect father there is one perfect father <laughs> that's our heavenly father every father is going to mess up at some point but see good fathers aren't aren't perfect and they don't like oh let's never make a mistake I think if you wanted to be a father and never make a mistake, you'd just never do anything. Uh, and then you wouldn't be a very good father. So uh, that's, that's part of the process. But see, good fathers seek to do the best that they can. I want to do the best that I can for my kids. But I'm also quick to apologize when I mess up. See, good fathers are quick to acknowledge their mistakes. They're quick to own their junk and not blame other people for what's actually their mess that they need to clean up. They're clean to fix their messes, to clean up after themselves when they make a mistake. I've shared this story before, and you know we, we, we try and teach our kids to be emotionally intelligent, to, to connect with their internal world, to communicate that. And so we talk about the thing of you know when someone makes you angry, and, and the reality is that you, no one can make you angry. Uh, and so we teach our kids that. It's like, well, no, it's, people can't make you. You can have an angry response to someone's behavior. And so, but then that... You lose that power of your child, unfortunately, when you give them that power. Because then when you say to them, well, I got angry because of what you did and you made me angry. And then they say, well, I can't make you angry, Dad. And you're like, Ernest. Uh, but yeah, it's okay to let go of that, that tool. Um, but it is the reality, you know, that, that we get to be quick to say, I'm actually really sorry about how I behaved. And not only does that restore the relationship, but it shows a child, oh, it's actually I can, I can be wrong as long as I'm responsible. I can make a mistake as long as I clean up the mistake that I made. Amen? 
The reality is when it comes to identity and destiny, we live in a time in history when people are actually all about creating their own identity. People feel that they can identify as anything. Even going against their own natural biology, even going against hundreds if not thousands of years of scientific understanding on things that people say, oh yeah, I get all of that, that logic and reason, um, but I'm just going to determine this is who I am. And then you have to as well agree with, with me on who I identify myself to be. And I do wonder whether in some ways this might be the natural consequence of a generation raised with the, you can be whatever you want to be mantra. You know, generation raised without the influence of healthy fathers speaking identity and destiny over their children. So yes, you can be whoever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do, which isn't reality. Everyone is limited in some way. Now, we want to encourage people, but if we're just saying you can do whatever, it's this kind of open field of nothingness, really. It's like everything and yet at the same time, nothing. Rather than saying, this is who the Father has called you to be. This is who the Father says that you are. This is your identity in Christ, which is fixed and unchanging. And from that platform, you can go and do amazing things for God. You can be whatever you want has become. You can be whoever you want, even if it goes against reality. Just claim it and it's yours. But we're losing our way as a society because we have nothing actually fixed and tangible to rest upon. If everyone kind of has their own identity and it's really just built upon whatever I decide or whatever I feel, then it's constantly changing. It's constantly morphing. It's constantly, it's, there's no stability in that. There's no stability. So I know who I am even when my circumstance is working against me. Even when the outcomes of what I expected aren't what I was hoping for, but I still know who I am. Even when somebody else says, no, this is who I think you are, you can say, that's not who I am. I know that's not who God has called me to be. But it's established on something. It's built on a strong foundation. Jesus even said, if you hear my words and you obey them, you're like a wise builder who builds their house on a rock. When the storms of life come and they bash against that house, you remain standing. It is that reality when we're built upon the rock of Christ, we, we can stay even in storms, even in hardship. We can know who we are because God has determined who we are. Amen? We're living in a time where people have no idea of their true identity. It's moved beyond searching for their identity to creating their own, to creating their own reality in some sense. But our Father in heaven is the one who determines our identity and our destiny. And the role of earthly fathers is to declare that over us and to teach us to walk in alignment with that. So the role of a father isn't to determine a child's identity or determine their destiny. It's like, no, no, we get that from Father God and this is who you are. Now I'm talking about the fixed and unchangeable reality of who God says you are in the scriptures. It's, it's written, it's clear, it's nailed down, no argument with that side of things. And then there is also a prophetic destiny and a prophetic identity that God speaks over you as well. So we need to be doing both of those things. So not just saying, well, this is, you are this in Christ, which is true and absolute, but also uniquely God has shaped you in these particular ways. So why, why am I like that? Because that's how God's made you and you might be different to the person next to you and different to the person next to you. It's all built up on the foundation of Christ's identity, but it's unique and special for you as well. So we don't create our identity. We don't create our destiny. We discover it in God. And this is the beautiful thing that regardless of the positive or negative input in our lives as children, no matter how good or how not so great our fathers were growing up. When we're born again into God's family, we get a fresh start with the Lord. Now again, he doesn't immediately just wipe everything away of your history and your past and your childhood and the impact of those things. There still will be a healing journey, but you get to do the healing journey. The, the fact that God is present outside of time means he can heal any moment in your life at any moment in time. So God can touch your childhood today. He can heal something that happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. 
God can reach in and say, bang, because God is outside of time. So he can heal those wounds. And the fact is that God is the only one who can heal those wounds. We can, we can have a, a, a really unhealthy childhood and we can determine, well, I'm not gonna raise a family in the same way and I can do my best to, to raise a family in a different way, but those wounds are still gonna be there and, and the new experience doesn't necessarily heal the wounds of the lack of what, of what existed in our childhood, but God can heal those wounds. God can reach into those places. The Bible says that you're a new creation that the old is gone and the new has come, that you are a new creation. Not one day when you go to heaven, you'll be a new creation. But at that moment, when you say yes to following Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in you, you receive a new heart, you receive a new identity, your original identity that God designed for you, and you can begin to search and discover that God can pour in what was missing in your childhood. Even in this, and this is the, the amazing thing that even children that are growing up without a parent, God can pour in those things that they need. Christian community can pour in those things that they need, but we have to be present around people. God puts orphans into families. The family of God is filled with people who were all once orphans once without a spiritual father and they've come into God's family, they've been adopted as his children and he calls them, he's like, you are my own children now. Legally, God has purchased us and we've been brought into his family as adopted children. So knowing your identity equips you to walk out your destiny, God's destiny for your life. But our identity in God is the foundation that our destiny is built upon. So it's really important, again, sometimes you can know, this is where I'm going and this is what I'm doing. This is all the amazing plans that God has for me, but I don't know who I am in Christ. Again, I'm building this structure in my life and it's all good things. It's all godly things. It's all the amazing vision that God has given to you, but it's built upon a really shaky foundation. It's like I can't do significant things for God if I don't believe I'm significant to God. I can't, I can't love other people like God would love them if I don't truly know that God loves me fully. I can't invite others to, to know that they are children of God if I don't really know that I'm a child of God. If I'm at, at the core, if my identity is still kind of trapped in being an orphan to God and not an adopted child, then how can I really lead somebody else into that place? So ultimately, this amazing destiny that God has for us needs to be built upon the right identity foundation. Otherwise, ultimately, at some point, those things will crumble. And we see it all the time. We see leaders all the time doing things that are outside of their identity in Christ. And these amazing structures, these amazing even ministries that get built, that people lead and have this amazing impact, and then it all comes crumbling down. Why? Because of their character. What informs your character? Your identity, ultimately. It's taking your identity and actually forming that behaviorally and habitually into your life. That's what your character is. It's taking that identity and then forming it into you. And you get people who, and they're building these amazing things for God, and yet it all ends up crumbling down because their identity wasn't fixed in God. Amen? So our identity from God doesn't depend on our ability or our performance. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> you can be doing a really, really sucky job at walking in your destiny and it doesn't change your identity. That's a, that's a huge thing. That's a huge relief <laughs> to be like, oh, wow, I, I am who God says I am, not because I did something, not because I've accomplished something. And again, this is sometimes hard when we, if we grow up in an environment where we're longing for acceptance from a, from a parental figure, longing for acceptance from a father. If we feel like I'm, I'm only in a safe place when I do the right thing or I'm accomplishing something or maybe I'm, a, I'm achieving that goal in sport or I'm achieving a goal academically, then, then my father is proud of me. But if I'm not reaching and attaining that goal, then he is, he's very displeased with me. And we naturally bring that into our relationship with Father God. 
And we start to think, God's only happy with me when I'm doing good. But man, if I mess up, God is angry and he is distant and he withdraws from me. And he does all these passive aggressive things and makes my life really, really hard because he's kind of just stroppy and mad with me. But the fact is, no matter what you do, if Jesus fully finished the work on the cross, which is paying the price for all of your sin, then actually your sin cannot and can no longer separate you from God. The Bible is very clear. Neither height nor depth or mount or value or angels, deems nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ. Nothing. No thing. Yeah? You can study the Greek word. It means nothing. Okay? It's all the same. Like whatever language you want to put it in, it's the same, same thing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ because God chose you. God has chosen you. It's God's determination, not ours. Our job is to agree with what God determines we are. Our job is to agree with God's perspective of who we are. And when we start to to agree, we start to believe, we start to walk in that reality, then we'll start to naturally see change in our lives. So what are some elements of our identity in God? There is so much in Scripture that talks about who we are, but I've just got a few kind of titles, uh, and you can go and search the Scriptures at another time. But the first is that you're loved. Your identity is, I can say, I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. You are loved by God. God loves you. And there's nothing that you can do to separate yourself from God's love. Oh, but surely, what if I became an enemy of God? What does Jesus say? Love your enemies. So there's nothing, there's no place that you can escape from the love of God and from God loving you. Now, is God going to discipline you if you, do, if you do the wrong things? Absolutely. Why? Because He disciplines those He loves. So even if you get disciplined by God, it's only because He loves you. So even the hand of discipline is not to be like, oh, God must be angry. It's like, no, God must be in love with me. You're chosen by God. Now, again, I know that we might hear the gospel, we might respond, and we might choose to follow Jesus, but we only choose Him because He chose us. He chose us first. We were chosen in Him before even creation came about. We've been chosen by God. You are forgiven. What about all the things that I've done, God has forgiven you. God has paid the price for your sin and you are forgiven. Now, is forgiveness something that we constantly live in? Absolutely. We are constantly applying forgiveness. We are constantly releasing forgiveness. But that doesn't change our standing with God. Our right standing with God is determined by what Jesus has done on the cross, paid the price for our sin, conquered Satan's sin and death so we can live always and forever in right relationship with God. God cannot punish you. For your sin. Is that hard to believe? Is that, are you sure? If he punished Christ for your sin, then how can he punish you for your sin? It's a beautiful reality. I'm, I'm now, I stand before God unpunishable, not because I don't deserve punishment, but because the one who didn't deserve punishment took my punishment upon himself, and that's Christ, which is God, three in one. So it would be unjust, it would be unrighteous for God to punish someone twice, to punish, his, to punish Jesus and then to punish us for our sin. Now, I know there can be this, maybe this kind of tentativeness or fear around, but if we tell everyone they're forgiven, aren't they just going to go on sinning constantly? Well, I don't think so. I think if the whole framework of your relationship with God is focused and centered around avoiding punishment, that's a really unhealthy foundation to build any relationship on. Can you imagine a marriage relationship where the wife or the husband only did the right thing because they were fearful of the punishment that they might receive if they do the wrong thing? We call that an abusive relationship. 
okay? That's a toxic, abusive relationship. I want you to know God has not established a toxic and abusive relationship with his children. He has not done that. That's not how, how he operates. Now, will you understand your identity in Christ? I'm loved. I'm chosen. I'm forgiven. I've been redeemed. I've been adopted into his family. If I start to grasp that and truly apply that, and that starts to shape who I am, then naturally I'm going to be walking in those realities. I'm going to be walking in the fruit of that beautiful thing because I know who I am. And every time I sin, I'm like, I'm having an identity crisis because I'm behaving as my old identity would behave. So I know I'm not that. I'm not my sin. That doesn't belong to me anymore. I'm not going to own it and I'm not going to identify myself in the way that determines me as being something other than what God says that I am. I'm not going to shape my own identity. I'm going to say, God, I, I, I hate what I'm doing, but I know that's not who I am. So Lord, would you give me your grace not to allow me to sit in my mess, but to empower me to walk into this identity and destiny that you have for me. You're forgiven, you're redeemed, your relationship with God has been restored, you've been adopted into his family. These are realities and there are many, many more beautiful things that God determines and speaks over you. So the question is, well, how do we build our lives on our identity? How do we discover our destiny in him? It's going to take work. It's going to take some intentionality for us. Is that okay? All right. I know it's good. I want you to know it's good. That's not. <clears throat> well, to build our lives, we've got to receive what God says. Even when we feel uncomfortable, even when it seems too good to be true, the only time where something is too good to be true and it's actually true is when it comes to God. We get, we get oh, if, it's, if that deal's too good to be true, it's probably you know, not true. It's probably a scam. It's like, there ain't, there's no scam in God's relationship with you. He's not trying to trick you into something. But what he says, that's what we've got to receive. And again, I know we live in this culture that with this tall poppy syndrome that, that wants to cut people down, all that sort of stuff. We're not building ourselves up. We're not inflating our ego because it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with our gifts or our abilities or anything like that. How good we've been this week, how bad we've been this week. is like, this is who God says that I am. I can't change it. If he says I'm loved, then I'm loved. If he says he's redeemed me, I'm, then I'm redeemed. If he says I'm an ado adopted as his child, then that's who I am. I can't change that. Now, my life not be, might not be walking out that reality, but the first, I've just got to actually receive it. We might need to repent for lies that we're believing that are opposed to that truth and that reality. Again, if, if we grew up in an environment where, where things were spoken over us that we came to believe that aren't God's perspective on us, then we have to repent. To repent means to, essentially means to change your mind. It's more of a, a, a kind of a supernatural thing than just, oh, I'll change my mind. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want strawberry ice cream, I want vanilla. Like it's a little bit more significant than that. But that's what repentance is, is where God and, and our, our whole thinking shifts to move away from. So I say, I repent for believing that lie and I renounce that lie. I come out of agreement with that lie about who I was told that I was. And I come into agreement with the truth of who God says that I am. That might be when it comes to our identity. It might also be when it comes to our destiny. If we've had limitations spoken over us as children, we need to renounce the lie that there is limitation upon our lives, that I will not be all that God wants me to be and desires me to be. And again, when we speak of destiny, I'm not talking about your good ideas of what you want to be. I'm talking about God's good plan of who He has determined you to be. Amen? And it is good. So we need to receive what God says. We need to repent for believing any lies. We need to renew our minds with God's truth. We need to be renewing our minds. So that needs to be what we need to keep telling ourselves who we are in Christ. Because I want to let you know you forget. I forget all the time. I, keep, I just keep forgetting. That's right, this is who God has called me to be. And sometimes you, you'll listen to a worship song, you'll read something in the scripture, and you're like, that's right, that's who I am. Why am I striving to please God when he's already pleased with me? 
I always come back to when Jesus was baptized and he comes out of the water and the, the voice of the Father speaks from heaven. He says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And you've got to think, but he, he'd been building like tables and chairs and things for 30 years. Like, is that what it takes for God to be pleased with you? Like he was, just grew up as a carpenter. It's like, oh, I could do that. Uh, but that's not why, like the, the father's determination of, he hadn't done any of the amazing ministry things yet. It wasn't like when he's hanging on the cross and he gives up his life, then that's when the father speaks, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. All he's done is he's taken a step of obedience to step into what the father says. But the father determines, this is my son because I determine that this is my son. I'm well pleased with him because I've determined that I'm well pleased with him. I remember having this conversation with, um, I think I might have shared it last week with Abigail, you know, talking about just how much I love her. And she's like, oh, but what if I did this? And what if I did this? And what if I did this? It's like, I'm not loving you because you've done good things or because you haven't done bad things. I, I love you because my heart has determined that I love you. And we, and we should be, we can be applying that to any single person in our lives. That we say, I determine, my heart determines that I love you. You annoy me, but I love you. <laughs> you frustrate me, but I love you. People are turning to their spouse and somebody. Yeah, stop that. <laughs> so we need to be renewing our minds. We need to be reminding, reminding ourselves. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm gonna put that in my notes for next time. <laughs> We need to be reminded, you know, we need that, that, that washing over of just being told. So it's found in the scriptures. That's found by being around people. We need to actually invite this next one, invite others to speak into our lives. We need to be around those kind of people that build us up. Now, I'm not talking about like false kind of, you know, fluffy things. I'm like, generally people, these people, they know me and they love me and they're speaking the truth of God. They're declaring that, they're in, encouraging me, which means to put courage into somebody. We need courage to walk in the things of God. I've had several conversations with, and particularly with men that I find, um, in, in male and female relationships, I think if you're a man, you need women and men speaking into your life, okay? More commonly, I've discovered that women speak more like comfort, they speak identity, but it's more can oftentimes be on the, on the comforting side, and I find men can speak more on the courage side and confrontation. It's harder for a man to, to receive confrontation from a woman, okay? It's easier, often that, maybe it's just me, or you might agree with me, it's easier to, to, to get confrontation from a man, but it's also easier to receive courage from a man, because it's like, hey, that's not okay. I'm not pointing at you, Grant, but. <laughs> yeah, I have before. No, no, I never pointed. I never pointed. No. But it's like, hey, that's not okay. This is who you are. Let's go walk in that together, okay? There's a courage that gets put in. So all I'm saying is, so I've had lots of courage spoken into me by, by women. I've had lots of confrontation from, from women around me, good stuff, and I can receive it, okay? I can, if you can't receive correction from a woman, you, need to, you probably need to deal with that issue. That's a hard issue, okay? You wanna be able to receive from anyone who sees into your life and sees into your heart and can identify those things in a loving and kind way way but what I've just found is that there's just something where you just men have this power to speak courage into one another that that I'm not even sure it's the role of, I think that's what men are supposed to be doing they're supposed to be putting courage into each other and yet how often sometimes that there's passivity in men so they don't speak out those words they're not speaking them over themselves but they're certainly not speaking them over their brothers in Christ and they're not encouraging one another pouring courage in so we, I mean, we're getting together on Friday nights and just praying. But in that, it's like when someone comes forward and there's just, let's, we're just going to pray courage over you. We're going to speak life into you and you're going to walk away feeling like, oh, man, I feel like I could, I could take on the world. It's what we're designed to do. Our words have power, but you've got to be speaking them out. And I say that that's, for men particularly, that's over other men, but also women and children, all of that sort of stuff. But in particular, in my relationships, we need to get, get men around us that could be speaking life, not critical, not kind of, you know, focused on all negative things, but actually, hey, let's, let's kind of shift the perspective here. I hate, I hate sitting around hearing people complain about stuff. <laughs> there's always stuff to complain about. 
Now, again, if someone's struggling, is hearing it out. It's like, okay, but now let's, and this is the thing where I find doesn't happen <laughs> in male and female relationships where it's like solution side. No, 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 no. It's a little bit more on the problem side. Can we just dwell there in that space, you know, just talk. And this, and I'm not, I'm saying it with a smirk on my face, but I, only because it's like, it still baffles me. Because um, I'm like, I don't, it's like, here's my problem. Give me a solution. Whereas I know for like for, for for women, it's like, I don't want solution. Just just meet me in this hardship place, okay? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying it's just a different reality. Yes, we are, the struggle is real. This, but we know that. So women want comfort in that place, amen? Which is what I'm kind of saying is that women want comfort, men want courage, okay? But if you give, if you give a man too much comfort, then he never has the courage to actually step out of that place. So he feels okay about his struggle, but he never, he's not necessarily empowered to come out of that struggle and be an overcomer, okay? All right, that's where I was getting to. Forgive me. All right. So how can we be a people that call out the identity and destiny of others? We need to start seeing people through God's eyes, if you don't already. You might be someone who can see critically, who can notice things that are out of place. I know I'm, I'm more wired in that way. I'll come into a situation or a scenario and I'll see what could be better. Okay? I'll see what could be improved. I, I can see all the good things, so I'm like, well, they're already good, so that's fine. I don't need to talk about those, but oh, this could be better, and we could shape this, and we could change this. What I've had to learn is if I bring that into every situation, then what it sounds like is Brad's only got negative and critical things to say about something. So that's not, that's not my truth, but that's what I see, because I want something to go from good to great. Okay, that's kind of how I'm wired. So I've had to learn. I've got to come in and speak encouragement and, and life. And, you know, we call that affirmation sandwich. You know, even when it comes to like maybe pointing something out, we say, hey, so amazing, so good, so great. Hey, this is some things that I noticed that maybe could be improved. But ultimately, it's just amazing, awesome, you're great, fantastic. Okay, a little tip for you. Okay, but we need to see people through God's eyes. So not seeing even where they are currently, but seeing where God would want them to be. Not seeing the struggle that they're trapped in, but seeing the victory and the plan that God has for them, seeing who they are when they are thinking down of themselves, saying, hey, just remind you, this is not who you are. We need to speak out those words of encouragement. Again, I can think really encouraging thoughts about other people, but more often than not, people don't want to hear my, like don't want me to have just encouraging thoughts. They want to hear encouraging words. Your words have power. Your words have life. The power of life and death is on the tongue. So speak it out. And don't underestimate the power of those words. Don't underestimate the power of that, hey, I'm, I believe in you. That just the power of that interaction is huge for people. Don't miss those opportunities. And again, as I said before, you need to keep people accountable. We need to invite accountability, which is not, I need people around me to stop me from doing bad things. It's not, I need, I need people around me who are going to call me to account for my ability in Christ. Because I am able in Him to do amazing things. The plan that God has is actually significantly more than what we can hope or even dream about. So you need to know whatever plan that you think God has for you, it's probably more than that. It's probably more significant. But I look at the prophetic words, I listen to them, I see the, I, you know, start to see the plan of God in my life. I'm like, how am I, on earth am I going to do this? But you know what gets me through is courage the courage of other people, that encouragement. When someone speaks words of encouragement, it puts courage in me. And I want people around me to say, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make sure you keep walking in that destiny. We need those sorts of people around us who can do that, but we also need to be those sorts of people. It's like, I'm gonna keep encouraging you. I'm gonna keep pushing you forward. I'm gonna keep being present with you, speaking those words of life. Amen? So it's not just that your family needs you to be a good father. The world needs good fathers, spiritual fathers who will call out the identity and destiny of God's children, echoing the Father's heart and decree over them. So again, I guarantee if you are in a business environment, you take this principle into that business, you're gonna see the culture shift. You're gonna see lives shift. You might be a teacher in a school. You start viewing students through the Father's eyes, start speaking words of identity and destiny over them. Even if they're not Christians, they might, you can language it in a way that doesn't put all of the Christian language on it, but you start calling out the gold in people. 
It's going to shift the atmosphere. Your neighborhood's going to shift. Every interaction that you have is going to shift things. When you're doing your grocery shopping, and you can just find something that you just bless that person with a word of encouragement. It's going to shift the culture all around you. People's lives are going to start to be changed because of those words. We need people who will dream big for God, who will do brave things for God to see people impacted and transformed by Jesus. Part of sometimes what happens is when we're not encouraged, when our identity is not spoken over us, when our destiny is not declared, then we don't even know how to dream big for God. Our dreams have very, become very limited and they're capped in some way. God needs you to dream big. Have audacious dreams. Have audacious goals. Now, obviously, seek wisdom and be a good steward and have all of those things operating in that process. Don't just go and do kind of crazy, dumb things. Um, but if you're not dreaming big for God, then you're limiting in some way His ability and His capacity to do things. The prophetic words that have been spoken over my life, I'm like, I don't know how you're going to fulfill that, Lord, but I know you can. So my goal is just to be, just to keep on pushing through with what I'm doing, what you bring before me. But then I invite people in, hey, I, I need that support. I need that encouragement. I need that voice because otherwise it's gonna be too big and too scary. We, we need people who will take risks and expect radical things to happen. The fact is the church needs good fathers. Your neighborhood needs good fathers, good healthy fathers. The world around you needs good, healthy fathers. You know, mothers and fathers, but I'm talking to the men, like your voice matters, your presence matters, your example matters to people. People are watching you. People are modeling their life on you. Whether you like it or not, you're having an influence on the people around you. Let's pray. invite you to speak Holy Spirit we agree with whatever movement and direction you want to take Holy Spirit we thank you for your presence Lord and Father we just uh, we honor and acknowledge the natural fathers and the spiritual fathers, even in this room right now. We honor them, Lord. We bless them. But Father, maybe for some of us where we're acknowledging where maybe we didn't grow up in that ideal environment. Maybe we've lost our father. Maybe our father just wasn't a good presence. Maybe he was just never around. And Holy Spirit, we know that people can, can heal some of those areas. Lord, people around us can be present, but we know that the depth of that wound, Lord, is, is only something that can be healed by you, Holy Spirit. So Lord, we just bring our hearts before you. to us that we didn't even know that we needed but our heart was crying out for Lord just to know what it feels like to be safe to feel secure Father where our identity wasn't spoken over us and called out of us Lord where maybe there was limitation and caps Father I just pray you would even just lead us Holy Spirit and even in this moment in any way that you would identify that we need to forgive our fathers, Lord. 
Just pray that out to the Lord. Just release forgiveness to your fathers in any way that you felt like they were a negative impact or maybe they just weren't that positive influence that you needed. And you recognize now For those of us who are fathers of children, Lord, and we can recognize that. Maybe we've seen those patterns carry through our lives, Lord, those patterns from when we were children. And, and we've walked in some of the same ways, Lord, that our fathers walked in. Maybe, Lord, we know that we haven't been speaking life over our children. Maybe we've been harsh and or critical. Maybe even our thoughts were, my intention is that they would thrive and yet our words have been crushing, not building up. So we invite your Holy Spirit to convict us, Lord. Just convict our own hearts of places where we're not walking in the fullness of who you've called us to be as fathers, Lord, as men. you just repent before the Lord just bring it before Him forgiveness is waiting for you the Lord is open always to forgive just bring those things before Him Father would you heal the impact Lord maybe where we haven't been present would you heal the impact Lord To, to pray for, for the men. Um, so whether you're a natural father or just uh, just a man, you're, you're a spiritual father that God has called you to be. But I'd love if the men could come forward uh, and just stand in this space if you're able to. You don't have to, but I want you to. So any age, if you are male and in this room, we're going to gather around one another each other. It's a prayer we can all pray, a prayer of repentance about where we haven't taken our place. But, but Father, we do, we repent for where we haven't taken our place as fathers in the natural or also in the spiritual, Lord, where we have taken a back seat, Lord. Even, Father, where in the church sphere, Lord, we haven't led in the ways that we should be leading, Lord, that we've let others take that place, we know that you've called us into those spaces, Lord, but we've withdrawn. We've been passive, Lord. But Father, we pray that you would break off passivity from our lives, Lord. We come out of agreement with passivity, Lord. We come out of agreement with limitation, Father. That tall poppy syndrome, Lord, is a doctrine of the devil, Lord. It's not your plan. It's not your purpose. It's not your idea, Lord. So we thank you, Father, that even now you would just lift off the limitations, Father. That you would lift off the limitations of our thinking. You would lift off the limitations of our dreaming, Lord. That we would dream big for you, Father. That we would have audacious goals for you, Lord. Because you deserve for us to dream big. Father, we don't just want to think of big things, but Lord, that you would start pouring in your dreams, Lord. Start pouring in your desires, Lord. Start pouring in your ideas, Father, and that you would find agreement in our hearts, Lord. 
Father, where our identity was never spoken into us, Lord, we, I just pray, Holy Spirit, You would come now and You would fix our identity in Christ, Lord. We repent of every lie that we've believed, Lord, that we are not who You have called us to be. We repent in Jesus' Name. We renounce those lies and we come into agreement with Your truth, Jesus. Father, we repent for any orphan-heartedness Lord, where we've lived just on the outside, never really feeling secure in your family. But Father, we repent of orphan-heartedness and we receive that spirit of adoption as sons. I receive that spirit of adoption as a son. I am a son in your kingdom. Why don't you speak it out? I'm a son in your kingdom. I'm a son in your family, Jesus. And nothing can separate me from your love. Nothing can remove me from your family. Thank you, Jesus. And we thank you, Father, you have invited us to take our place as fathers in our families, as fathers in this church. Even as your pastor, I invite you to take your place as a father in this church, that you have a powerful voice that this church needs to hear, that other men need to hear, that women and children need to hear. You have the power of life upon your tongues, but it needs to come out. I pray, Lord, that You would loose the tongues of the men in this community, Father. Lord, I pray that we would hear, even as we worship, Lord, there would be a rumble of that bass sound of the masculine voice coming through, Lord. And Father, we can have soft and beautiful hearts, Lord. We'd have courageous, fierce hearts, Lord, that would no longer stand for unrighteousness, Lord, that would no longer stand for lack, God, that would have that powerful voice the roar of the Lion of Judah would come through us, Lord, as we take our place, Lord, in our biological families, Lord, as we take our place in this spiritual family, Lord, as we take our place in schools and universities and workplaces and neighbourhoods, Father. We thank You for the voice of the Father coming through Your Father's Jesus. Whatever sphere You've placed us in, Lord, that would start to view ourselves, Lord, not as lacking, but as having everything that we need from You, God. Every word of power that we might declare over people, Lord. And we'd start to see life breaking out. We'd start to see healing breaking out, Lord. We'd start to see redemption breaking out because the voice of the fathers in the church is being released. We say, yes, Lord. We say, yes, Lord. Say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. To be alive. To be alive. Thank you, Lord. I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? I just pray fresh filling, Lord. Fresh filling for these vessels, Lord. These vessels of power, these vessels of identity, these vessels of destiny, Lord. Yes, Lord, we declare, come alive. Let your spirit, I call forth your spirit, your personal spirit in Jesus' name, that you would come forth to prominence over your heart, over your mind, that every lie and limitation would be bound in Jesus' name. We tear down every stronghold that would keep you limited in the authority of Jesus Christ. And we release you to be all that God has called you to be, to be the men that God has called you to be, to be the men of power, to be the men of influence, to carry that responsibility as fathers in this city, in this region, and in this nation, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let it happen And it calls Each one of us By our names To come away And He whispers To your heart To let it go
thank you, Lord, that we are awake. We are awake, Lord. We are awake to your voice. We are awake to the calling and the destiny upon our lives. And we thank you that we are filled with your spirit. So we have nothing lacking, Lord, to walk in what you have for us, Lord. You've written our identity on our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And you've commissioned us to go. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. Back to the beginning when I was running through the fields with you. So take me back. Back to the beginning when I was young, running through the fields with you. So take me back, back to the beginning when I was young, running through the fields with you. So take me back, back to the beginning. mighty men we're with you we bless you I'm excited it's good go Rod some of those men are just going to gather around Brad and just pray around come on guys just he's standing alone a little bit understand him. <laughs> I was supposed to say something. <laughs> Come on, just guys, just, just pray over this guy. He's walking a little bit alone in times, but us guys are not going to allow him to walk alone. We're standing with him. Hallelujah. Father, we just lay hands on him as men, young and old. Father, we just call out that destiny that's in him, Lord. We call out that identity that's in him. We call out what you've got for him and in him, Father. We just so appreciate him, Lord God. We are right behind you, Brad. We are right behind you as men. Each one of us are behind you, Brad, calling out all that God has in and for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yeah, we, Lord, we stand shoulder to shoulder with Brad, Lord. We stand alongside him and we, we, uh, we walk with him, Lord, and we support him and we just... We just thank you, Lord, for the strength that he brings. We thank you for his words, Lord. We thank you for the authority that he speaks with. And we pray blessing. Blessing over his words, blessing over his family, blessing over his life, Lord. We pray this, Lord. We pray for wisdom beyond his years. We pray for strengthening, Lord. And we, we stand with you, Brad, shoulder to shoulder. And we walk and we run with you, Brad. Thank you, Lord, for the strength and the leadership, Lord. Amen and amen. What was I supposed to do before? All right. I'm just going to speak a Father's blessing today over us, over all of you guys, because I'm probably one of the most senior here. So, right. 
Thank you, Father. I just thank you for this privilege, actually, of just speaking a Father's blessing over these men here, uh, but also over the woman as well, the recovering, uh, the young ladies, the children, Lord God, that there's just more and more, Lord, as us men will speak a covering and act in that, understand it, Lord, we'll come forward in what you've called us into, Lord. Most of us didn't start out knowing all this stuff, Lord, but each generation we're going to run with this stuff and impart it to the next generation and see the, the guys coming forward into all that you've called them into. Even if you're brand new in here, hallelujah, you're on a good journey. We're going to help with you. And so I speak a, a blessing Lord, over each of these men here, I call them forth into all that identity, Lord, that they have and the destiny, that, Lord, that you've got for them as dads, as brothers, Lord, as whoever they are in the community, wherever they work, Lord, they probably don't know how much influence they cover. I was just talking to a younger guy just now. I just said, guys are watching you. Men are watching you and who you are. And so we thank you, Father, as we carry your presence out as the ecclesia, as the, the church going out, Lord God. We carry your presence. We carry your influence. We carry it far greater than we realize wherever we go. And Father, we just thank you for opportunities to be dads and to call out gold in other person's life. Whether they're born again or not, we call them forth into their identity in Jesus' name. And I release the blessing of a father upon each of you today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.